Welcome back to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Dandrea Bradley. Joining us today on the show, we have the folks from the Gaston County Museum. They recently received a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. We're going to talk about how they plan to use that money to explore African-American history right here in Gaston County. So stick around for this exciting conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I am Dandrea Bradley, and with me today, I have Miss Elizabeth McGee, who you are very familiar with. Hello. And we have some folks from the museum with us today. Hello. Yeah, say hello. We have Allison Wiedrich, who is the curator over at the Gaston County Museum of Art and History, and she brought along with her their new history fellow, Miss Lisa R. Withers. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome, y'all. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So we're excited because um, I'm a big history nerd, and we get to talk some history today. So yes, so Elizabeth, are you a history nerd too? Um, I my favorite thing to read is historical fiction. Love. So there, there's some history in that sometimes. <laughs> Usually based in history. Yeah. Usually it's based. It's a in good history. gateway. I will say that. Yeah. It's a good. Even gateway if they've drive. embellished anything, it starts to pique the interest, and hopefully you will continue to be like, I wonder if, and going yes. down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's how exactly. I felt when I watched The Crown. I like oh. I couldn't I couldn't get through an episode without pausing every five minutes to Google. Did they really do that? <laughs> That sounds like turns something out, I would do. Turns out mostly, like, yeah, they they did really do that. They re- did really do all that stuff. <laughs> wow. I mean, one of wow. the things I am really interested in this day and age of creating TV shows and films is that there are some productions that are hiring historians as advisors. Which oh, is great. Awesome. Which is great. Now, I'm not saying everything. Please, audience, if you're listening to this, <laughs> do your due diligence to... You know, research the cast, research yep. all the production team. But I have become more aware that as more attention has been brought to historical accuracy and visual representations of the past, mm-hmm. that there are when whoever's in charge of production is willing to do so, bringing on trained historians who will go through and at least try to point out where some potential discrepancies may lie or where could things that could potentially give the viewing audience the wrong impressions of things that deviate too much from what really happened. So Absolutely. just want to put it out there, y'all. Keep watching those historical things. Keep asking critical questions. But, um, you know, Speaking let's all do together. of critical questions, Talk to us about this project that you're working on. So it's about African-American history here in Gaston County. Talk to us about that. I'll jump in there for that one. Um, Well, first of all, I want to just say that um, we received a grant that was funded by the National Endowment for the Humanities for the Research of African-American Sites Relevant to Gaston County History, and it's through the American History. Um, historical association and so it's uh it's a national grant um not a lot of people get this grant so it's very exciting um and with the vast majority of that money we are paying lisa to do this research um so it's really exciting and the sites that we're looking at are the two black hospitals in highland community lincoln academy in kings mountain first baptist church in dallas and the John Biggers home that was also the studio of Jim Biggers. Nice. Um, and the goal of this research is to create a narrative, including oral histories from community members, that we can use to eventually and hopefully get them designated through the Historic Preservation Commission of Gaston County. Um, we also want to use this research to grow our interpretation in the museum to share more inclusive stories about our community. 
Awesome. So now, Lisa, obviously you're very excited about this project because I see you, you're ready to just jump in there and talk about it. So <laughs> tell us what kind of work you're doing right now. As far when we were talking earlier, you mentioned collecting information. What, what exactly are you collecting? Mm-hmm. So this is a research project, which really means, when you break it down, is that we want to really focus on new knowledge. And so there is material out there. Some things have been written down and we don't want to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm. So what has been happening over the past um, thus far in the grant is really doing a thorough search to see what have people already said and fun fact check that. Be like, "Mm, was it really, you know, as these people have written about, but then also identify where are the holes? Like what are the things that have not been talked about before, have not been recorded, have not been um, preserved for future generations? And what that's beneficial is that in going to the community members, really being able to have those conversations of this is what's out there already. Is this right? Because one of the things that I truly believe as someone who's been professionally trained as a historian is that communities often carry their own knowledges and stories about their own past. And Mm -hmm. so it really does make a difference when you have community member involvement in the preservation and the telling of those stories as well. And so being able to have a firm understanding of what has already been written about a particular topic or historic place, then being able to go to those community members and have those dialogues, it really enriches the process as well as what is able to be available for future generations. Oftentimes I talk to community members, I ask them, you know, do they have grandkids or a young person in their life? And they're like, and if they're like, yeah, they're like, well, think about what kind of information do you want their grandkids to be able to know about? And that sometimes oftentimes really does help to put, put that reflection and also to really ask those questions of, okay, so what is it that we really want people 50, 150, 200 years from now to be able to know about this time, this place, and the people who make Gaston County what Gaston County is today? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, you know, who doesn't love a good story? I know. That's so so cool. Well, can you actually, can you talk a little bit about what that work actually looks like? Like, how are you getting people's stories? Are you knocking on doors? Are you guys having community (laughs) meetings? Are you putting out a call out there? Just if anyone has a story about these Mm -hmm. sites that you're studying, how do people transmit that information to you. (laughs) So there are a variety of ways because we realize that it is 2023. Life is crazy. We're gone through a pandemic and coming out and figuring things out. And so we've collectively have come up with a variety of ways and how anyone who is interested in getting involved can be involved. So one thing we're doing is programming and actually going up with this idea of programming as a way of gathering information or a research method, if you want to use the jargon. (laughs) Um, and so we are planning and working with several of our contacts in the communities of ways and how we can host, have some forums um, and recreate some forums that actually have been done before in the 90s. Oh. Um, but realizing, you know, it's been <laughs> several decades since the 90s. Just a yeah. few. Just, you know, I try not to think about it too much because I'm like, ooh, man. That's why I have those aches getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you can remember the 90s. <laughs> yes, I, I remember the 90s. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I partied like it was 1999, but, uh. <laughs> but to, 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 your, um, to your question. Um, and so with that understanding that time has passed, but also 
when we think about history in the past, it's not always the 19th, you know, those 1800s or those early 1900s. There's also things that happened in the 70s, 80s, and now 90s that people who are alive today, if we're really thinking about a target audience of our grandkids' grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know, to them, this time in the 90s would be like so long ago. <laughs> right. How we think about, you know, the 1890s today. Yeah. You know? um, and so that's one way in, you know, just spreading a word, having conversations and hosting those town hall forums where community members will be able to come and do a more of a large group conversation style. But then, of course, not everyone can do that because we all have create different schedules, different things that are happening in life. So there are um, individuals who can let us know if they want to do a one-on-one recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my line of work, we often call that an oral history and where we sit down one-on-one oftentimes with a recorder, a digital audio recorder, and just have a conversation very much like how we're doing right now with this podcast and just talk about different um, events, people, the community of the past, how that person may remember mm-hmm. um, what a community was like, who like, like who was the you know, key person that you remember from school? And right. everyone has that story about that teacher. That one or two, a few <laughs> teachers who you know, mm-hmm. and then everyone joins in like, yeah, we remember Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Um, and so that is another way. And so a third way that um, community members can get involved is that the Gaston County Museum does have on their website a portal to which you can record either a audio recording, you can submit an audio recording. So very much if you think anyone who may you know, listen to NPR and you have like the timestamps right. on the, like the politics podcast, very similar to that to where if you want to record yourself, record a story, you can submit it that way. Or if you want to take the low tech route or a more low tech route, um, you can also submit a written story or memory to the museum through the website. And that is another way um, in how people can participate. So we're trying to be very creative and provide a various options for people to participate because, again, there's we can't assume that, you know, if we do this one thing, it's going to fit everyone's needs or allow more participation. We really would like to have many opportunities for communities to be involved, and so hence all the different ways. And if we come up with more that we can handle within all our bandwidths. We'll put out more, but those are the, they'll say the main three. Yeah. Did I say three? Yep. <laughs> Four. Sometimes I lose count. <laughs> like we get this way and this way and this way. But yeah, that, that's, that's really yeah, part of the heart open. behind of it is really just trying to be very open, transparent about what the project is, what mm-hmm. we're doing and all the different ways that community members can get involved. Um, just because for many people, it's not probably shocking that, in past generations, certain communities were not always invited to participate in things. And so while we are still learning, we are still figuring it out as we go along, there is the genuine heart to try to rectify that and to make it as open as possible to collect as many different um, perspectives and memories as possible because that's what makes up our communities. Our communities are very diverse places with lots of diverse people and experiences. It's important to kind of be able to um, utilize a diverse way of collecting it to kind of capture. Absolutely. That is so cool. I'm so excited to hear some of these stories that y'all start collecting. Same. And what are what are y'all going to do with all these stories that you collect? So we're going to collect stories for a multitude of reasons. Our primary goal with this grant is to create a narrative that we can use to eventually get these sites recognized and protected by the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to, 
bore the audience by going too much into detail, but there are two parts of those kinds of applications. One is the narrative that um, Lisa is working on, which talks about the historical significance of a site. Mm -hmm. But then there is also the architectural component where you talk about the architecturally um, significant components of those sites. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like some places, that's less than, right? right. Um, for instance, Lincoln Academy is no more. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, so how does that site get that kind of attention? So that's one way that we're doing that. So in the grant, that is the goal, the purpose. Um, but we also want to use the information that we're gathering um, to add to the interpretation of the museum. Um, we're working very hard to be a very inclusive space that tells community stories that represent everyone. And it's an ongoing process that will continue on forever as long as the museum is open. Right. <laughs> and I hope that's the mission for all museums. But um, so that'll be going into our interpretation. Uh, we also are hoping that this will um, build bridges. Um, we recognize that um, not always it's easy to always be inclusive. And so right now we're really trying to build bridges with the community so that uh, we can build trust with them um, and have more stories shared with us outside of just the stories that we're focusing on now. Right. Um, we're really hoping that this communication, this bridge that we're working on, will lead to other collaborations, more information, more sites that we can look into, more communities that we can connect with. Mm -hmm. um, so this is an ongoing process um, forever. And yeah, we're hoping that once we um, go through this research, um, we'll be able to um, identify other people, other places, other parts of the community that we can um, grow into and develop. I mean, I'll go ahead and jump in on that because we have already had some community members who have filled out surveys at programs who have already told us like, oh, if you really try to talk about the black community in Gastonia, you need to do this place and this place and this place as well. So people are already mm -hmm. pointing. And I think that's something that's also important to factor in is that community members know. Community members right. know a lot. Yes. And so when you're being serious about really trying to do community-engaged work, it is important to ask the community members and then listen. And so I don't want to speak on behalf of the museum, but correct me if I'm wrong, Allison, it's my understanding that as they continue to do this work, that it will also be like, okay, so what did the community members tell us? You know what? That's probably going to be our next project because that's what they said is the important stuff right there. So. I would say that's 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 the key is the you know you ask the questions and then you have to listen. I think that's the missing component a lot of the times when people do outreach is they miss that piece where they listen and they understand and then right. they use it. Exactly. Um, and that's something that we're working really hard to do at the museum um, to not only use the information to inform our interpretation at the museum but also to use it as a launching pad to continue and to do more. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Oh wait, just kidding. We don't have sponsors. These are just some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Want to know what's coming up in the month ahead? Check out our Looking Ahead videos, produced each month in both English and in Spanish. We feature key dates, events you'll want to mark your calendars for, and so much more. Watch them on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Find them in the Ion Gaston playlist. I 
have a question. So how did you select these particular sites? Because obviously there are other sites you could have chosen. What made you choose these? So like the Biggers House um, and, you know, Lincoln Academy, which of course isn't still there. So how did you choose the sites? So we picked sites that represent different areas of Gaston County. We didn't want everything to be in one location. We wanted to try to branch out as much as we possibly could to different areas of the county. So that's one reason that they're kind of all over the place. Okay. Um, The other one is we needed them to be willing to talk to us. So these were established um, community members that were already in the talks with with the museum that agreed, yes, we will work with you. Yes, we will talk to you. Yes, we have a community already built that's ready to go, and we can work on this with you. Um, Because one thing I haven't mentioned yet is that this is only a year-long grant. Uh, We got the grant in the summertime. I believe you were hired, Lisa, in In the fall. Yeah, in the fall. It took us a while to um, get someone hired and in place. I think you really started in what was it, October? Something Is like that, right? that. You know, time flies. I think it's, I think about October. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so this is a very short project. So we were trying to go with sites that already had established members who were ready for the jump mm-hmm. and ready co- to get going on this project because we okay. had a very short amount of time to work with. Gotcha. Um, and so that's why that piece where once we make these initial connections, this will continue is so important because we don't want people to think, oh, we picked these sites and then we're never going to do this again. Um, we picked these sites because they were the most accessible to us at the time, and we want to find more. Gotcha. So I will jump in on what Allison was just saying, and so I will be transparent. I am not from Gaston County. I am a native North Carolinian. I do identify as African American or Black, but I'm not from this area. And we so, claim you as ours now. Oh, thank you. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm honorary staff. <laughs> but the reason why I am willing to share this with your listeners is because that is something that really has impressed me with the Gaston County Museum. You know, I have been working professionally in the um, museum and historic site space for going on 11 years now, really am focusing my work on um, trying to build bridges with community members, particularly black community members, um, to be able to preserve these stories, as I mentioned before, you know, with the grandchildren of our grandchildren. And to be able to join a project and where they the people who are the permanent employees have been doing that outreach work building those relationships before even trying to go on a project that speaks volumes because so Mm -hmm. often not just in the museum world but in so many other areas of public life we talk a lot about community engagement and outreach sometimes you know not to say that it's all not what people say, but you know, we as a society, we're still trying to grapple with some of these concepts, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to come into a project and where not just someone, you know, in Allison's business security, but even senior level staff have gone out in the community and actually talked to people for years, actually, uh, if I'm correct with that. Like this wasn't like just one all like there have been ongoing conversations for years, truly trying to build authentic relationships so that as Ellen said, when the time was right to where we could perhaps try to secure funding to actually do this kind of work, it wasn't a rapid scrounging. It wasn't just some, oh, you just want to take something from the community. Like, like no, like we have put, like they have put down the work. And as someone who's not from this area but has done this kind of work in other parts of the state, that was something that really caught my attention. I do want to give commend the staff at the Gaston County Museum um, because I do think that that is something that is always given as much 
consideration or thought to that sometimes in order to do this work it sounds really good but you got to put in some serious legwork on the front end because trust right. isn't something that appears overnight right it doesn't appear overnight you got to put in the work for that yeah. so I do just want to just touch on that and emphasize that um as someone who's not from this county but has come to lo- love this place like Aww. this is awesome <laughs> like guess the county you got it going on <laughs> well thanks it sounds like you're already a savvy citizen <laughs> I mean you know if there's an application let me know <laughs> we well, accept you I want to I want to I want to go circle back to some of the sites because I, I actually, as you were listing off these sites, I realized I don't know if I know anything about some of them. So if we could spend a couple of minutes talking about sure. a couple of your this favorite sites you. to talk about. I don't know if it's all me now, Allison. We're supposed to be a team, yeah. But we can share, you know, some of the things. As I mentioned, you know, part of what we've been doing is making sure that we don't recreate the wheel. Right. So there's no point in doing this work if someone has also already done some research. But, um... I, so, for example, we are part of the project is the two colored hospitals that were in Gastonia in the Highland community. And how this, what has already been written about as history is interesting because it's kind of written in two stages of where you have the first circa 1920s, 1930s, an African-American doctor realized that there was a need mm-hmm. for that. You know, African-Americans could not get medical attention as readily as other citizens living in the area. So he started the first hospital, but of course, you know, we're also putting in larger context. We're getting into depression. We're getting into money's tight. Yeah. I'm sure we can know what that's like. Money's tight. Um, (laughs) And so as that kind of dissolved, there was a second hospital that also came around. So oftentimes we're looking through old newspapers um, and the one essay published essay that I have found thus far about it kind of frames it as color hospital one you have the first saga of it and then color hospital number two and then um two and we worked with the GIS department and those two buildings still stand here in Gastonia did they operate at the same time, or no. did one close? Two, so it's like other. phase one, phase two. Ah, okay. Anyways, think of it as, as like that. So you kind of have the early one that was slightly pre-depression, and I don't have my notes in front of me. So That's okay. I'm not going to say too much because I do not want to put any misinformation out in the world. That's a <laughs> Thank bad <you>. thing. <laughs> no. But early 20th century, we had the first phase, the first structure and then you know money hard times and then there was a second phase that went with it and it was interesting because we had an event in December in which a community member kind of alluded to the fact of growing up in this community knew those buildings but only knew of it as defunct buildings there was nothing there Mm -hmm. but there's like associated with ghost stories and it was really interesting to have an older community member who was like no Everything that's been said so far is is correct and really go talk. And so it was really interesting to witness the two generations oh, yeah. have a conversation about because, I mean, you think about it, you grew up in this area in the 90s. Yeah. Well, the 90s was a different time period than the 50s or the right. 60s. Right. And so when you think about how our communities have changed over the 20, 30-year time period is really interesting to kind of to see how one generation may experience these same geographic spaces that we call home different than from an earlier generation, like yeah. their parents' generation or their grandparents' generation. Absolutely. And that's something that 
I think is not only just beautiful, but it's awesome to be able to capture mm-hmm. and really think more about because even as we are continuing to live in these same spaces, you know, as we could think about when we're going to build things, how we're going to do any kind of audience of really thinking about what kind of potential impact that's going to have on the culture and the community of that area. So have you been able to actually meet anyone who me- remembers going to one of these hospitals while they were operating or is that too long ago? Um. I don't think it's so much as too long ago, but that generation, they're 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 they're, they're going. So yeah. we're that is a hope. Um, yeah, um, I'll just add that one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the black hospitals is that um, they were all donation based. Oh. Yeah, so the construction of them, the funding of them was all donation based. Um, and I also read that sometimes it was hard for people to pay their bills, so sometimes it was volunteer. Um, and the other cool thing about it is. Um, you know, they were packed. Um, a lot of people who could not go to a white hospital came to these hospitals, and so a lot of times their beds were full. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, ne- that necessitated the second hospital, the larger, the more beds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did, do you remember reading those articles, Lisa? I think that mm-hmm. was a newspaper article that I read. Yes, yeah. the second hospital was yeah. bigger structure-wise yeah. because yeah, the first big. one was not able to be... Um, not a lot of not yeah, not to be able to meet the need because also keeping in mind where we are geographically. Yes, you have Charlotte, but Charlotte has I think it's Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. There's the Collett Hospital in the Charlotte area, but even then it was still considered too far away at that time. And so yeah. these the two colored hospital in Gastonia really was serving more like regional hospitals for yeah. African American communities mm-hmm. rather than just if you think just in your local area. And right. so, but I know you mentioned about the other sites, so I do want to be sure we at least oh, touch sure. on those because there's four sites total. So the colored yes, hospitals <laughs> are one. They're they're kind of like two two buildings wrapped up in one yep. right there. And then Lincoln Academy has already been mentioned out in Crowder's Mountain, to which I, man, I, so I'm, I am, I'm not from Gaston County, as I mentioned before, but I am from North Carolina. I'm from the northern part of the state in which we have a, a school called Palmer Memorial Institute. And I actually thought it was the only, like, black boarding school mm-hmm. that function but come to find in southern North Carolina there was also a black boarding school and just also like there's a history of the school where it started um, in the late 19th century American Missionary Association eventually you know that ownership ownership transferred um, to become having more community member influence and to be able to trace its history and the impact that that educational institution was able to have on that community is just, is fascinating. It's phenomenal. Um, there are still a lot of alums out there who remember, and so we are really excited to connect with them um, and to um, be able to preserve any memories that alum alumni would like to share um, with us about the school, but. It's just really interesting as someone who's also done this work in other parts of the state um, to find things that bring us all together as North Carolinians, but also um, we also have some uniqueness in the stories that also make it particular to each county um, or to each area. So that's also, I, I just like, I really like to point out that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the last two, um, we have the Biggers Home Place. Um, I've been reading about John Biggers, and I'm just like, man. No, I don't want to hear anyone else say North Carolina doesn't produce anything because John Biggers did his thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, known as a um, muralist, um, produced works that are awesome, phenomenal. Yes, um, he. Um, 
I'm actually I'm doing some background reading on African American art like in general mm-hmm. and just getting a better understanding of his role because he acts his his influence in the art world is on the same caliber as like Romare Bearden, Jacob yeah. Lawrence, yes. those like if you were like to go take a African African American art one on one class, like he, if the professor doesn't include John Biggers, you might start asking some questions. Like <laughs> yeah. he he's up there, um, and so like understanding at that level of where he fits in, um, but also learning um, there's a, a dissertation that someone had written in which um, this scholar was examining all the ways and how growing up in Gastonia influenced Bigger in his artwork and how there are some aspects and elements mm-hmm. um, that you see of the growing up experience of Gastonia being reflected in that. And so wow. um, I'm still reading that. So <laughs> can't give to a D because I'm still, you know, digging through that material myself. But just also the opportunities to think and be able to connect the community at a local level, but also to the bigger national level stories. Right. But also the interconnectedness, because we've talked about, you know, we're, we're looking at the Biggers' home place, but the Biggers' family was also a key family affiliated with Lincoln Academy, too, yes. as oh. well as several others. So there are connections between all these different sites. So even though, yes, they may seem geographically spread or not, really thinking um, more deeply about how African-American communities operated and how different, whether it's uh, individuals or family members or business entity, however you want to characterize it, but there are interactions that happen. Mm-hmm. And so even though you have Lincoln Academies over in Crowder Mountains and you have the bigger home place here in Gastonia, there's a connection and relationship there. Yes. I think it's two generations of the Bickers family yes. that attended. Um, so school. speaking of those connections, what is kind of the time period where each of these different sites were active? Like I know we talked about the hospital being active in the early 20th century. When was the Pickers homestead? When did people live there? And then the academy, when was that school in operation? So the black hospitals would have been early 20th. Uh-huh. Lincoln Academy started, and correct me if I'm wrong, 1890s, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, First Baptist Church of Dallas, I believe, was more like 1880s. Mm. If not earlier. If not earlier. Okay. Um, and then John Bigger's home, that would have been 20th century, I yeah. would imagine. But here's the thing, though. It's not just John Bigger's. It's also Jim Bigger's, his nephew. Oh. So yeah. and that's also something else to keep in mind. I mean, that's, I, mean, I, I wish we put so much more emphasis on local history mm-hmm. because John Biggers, yes. If you were to take a general African-American art survey class, you would probably hear about him. But here in Gaston County, you had Jim Biggers, who uh, from some of the reading that I've done, seems like he had a very um, heavy influence among youth because he was an art Did. educator. Uh, was. Ah, see, yeah. there we go. Jim Biggers was my art teacher when there I was There you go. Oh, nice. See, that, that, that is why we're doing this work. Cause, uh, and, and that's the thing. You know, when we think about what makes our communities the way they are today is also you got to start with where you are. So the fact that I am able to have be on a podcast and have someone directly across from me who knew one of the people who like that, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yes, <laughs> and so cool. to your question about the time periods, it yeah. really is very broad when you try to think about the totality of the spheres of influence of each of these places. And so we're looking at post-Civil War, um, because when you think about churches, a lot of them do spring up post-Civil War era. Um, So I'm going to start, I'm going to say about 1870s, 1880s. And it goes up really through the present, you know, with Mr. Jim Biggers um, and the influence that he's had on people who are right here in this room. (laughs) Yes. 
elementary school, he was in there. There you go. What do you remember about him? Um, I remember him being a much better artist than me. And I remember... (laughs) Give yourself some credit. You were in elementary school. (laughs) So it's funny because I remember being at summer camp. And I can't remember if I was at the T. Jefferson Center or the Phillips Center. And he came and did like a demonstration. And I was never really into art um, until much later because, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, I'm in second, third grade, and Mm -hmm. I just want to play outside and play with my (laughs) friends and stuff. But I remember um, having an art teacher in sixth grade at Lingerfeld Elementary who had worked with Mr. Biggers, and I remember her being a bigger influence on me. And, you know, looking back on it now as an adult, I wonder if it was because she was a woman and she was the first female artist I'd ever met. And I thought, okay, so she learned something from Mr. Biggers that she's now teaching me, which I'm going to tell you now, I'm still not a great artist. But (laughs) somewhere along the line, somewhere in my bloodline, somebody was, because my daughter is a great artist. And, you know, she does wonderful work. Mm -hmm. But just seeing, like, I remember growing up, um, just going to different places and seeing Mr. Biggers' artwork and realizing, like, wow, this man really was a good painter and a great Mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't appreciate it as a kid, but I appreciate it now. Hey, citizens, are you feeling savvy yet? If not, let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Did you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds, where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. I'll I'll drop this other nugget. You know, as I mentioned, so much we put emphasis on the people who make it to the national level prominence. But even at the state level, Mr. Jim Biggers um, was able to make his mark because the state of North Carolina has a public art program Mm -hmm. um, that they had. 80s, 1980s, 1990s, and Mr. Jim Bickers contributed, did a mural in one of the um, legislative buildings in Raleigh downtown. And so just want to say, like, sometimes to really think about the people who have made significant impacts on our communities and on our state, you don't really have to look that far. That's true. Mm-hmm. So the fourth is the First Baptist Church of Dallas, um, among of the older um, congregations um, here in this area. And so, of course, having the church have played such pivotal roles historically within the black communities, can you really say you're doing black history if you ain't got a church in there? That's true. That's very true. So, I mean, historically speaking of the role churches have played. so Churches were were huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, we talk about it all the time in our family. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. My mom, she loves to say, you know, back in the day, black people didn't have too much. The only thing we had was the church, our house, and the juke joint. Hey. (laughs) Hey. There you go. Um, and so th- those are the four. And I'm I'm really excited. You know, I'm I'm here for the grant, but I've come to really learn about Gaston County, love this area, and I'm really excited to see where this work goes long term. Same with uh, Absolutely. the museum <laughs> staff. Sorry. Same. <laughs> so I'm very excited about this because 
So I don't know if y'all know this, but we actually have someone up here um, who also is a member, a current member of First Baptist in Dallas, and that's Miss Dr. Pearl Burris Floyd. So she is our um, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, and 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 Dr. Pearl is a member of First Baptist. So yes, yes, yes. there you go. We got. I don't see. I'm saying that, and people want to say history is born. We we are around it everywhere we go. People know. Yes. People have knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. It's We're beautiful living thing. it. We're living history. That's it. it. <laughs> Who knows? Like a hundred years from now, somebody's going to hear this podcast, and the, and they're going to be like, "Oh, I want to look up this place." Or, I, mean, I hope so. I hope so. And you know what? Because we really do this work with. The community members, there will be all kinds of information that they can go and find that has been preserved, so they will find out. Yes. Oh, um, it's probably worth mentioning um, that when we collect oral histories, um, we will be accessioning them into our collection. So that means at the museum, we will have a repository of oral histories, um, either um, audio, video, um, transcribed um, oral histories, um, but those will stay at the museum, and they will be accessible as our collection always is accessible. That is so great. So is there anything else that you want to share about the project that we didn't ask? I think what I'd really like to emphasize is um, please get involved. Um, Even if you don't want to share your history, even if um, you don't think you have a story to tell, please still get involved. Um, You may know someone who you can tell about this project, Mm -hmm. um, or you can come and support come to a program you can listen you can learn and you can share um so please get involved we love to see people and yeah the more the merrier absolutely well allison weedrick and lisa r withers from the gasson county museum thank you so much for joining us it has been a blast and and elizabeth and i are just we're ready for this project to, <laughs> to be done so that we can dive into this history mm-hmm. yes so, we'll have to have us back when we're when we're done with our oral history and research absolutely because <laughs> i know you're gonna have some great stories for our audience yes all right thank you so much ladies y'all have a fabulous day thank you, you so much same. for having us mm-hmm. thank you mm-hmm. The Savvy Citizen Podcast is a production of the Gaston County Communications Office. It is hosted by Janet Schaefer and Adam Gobb, and its senior field correspondent is Elizabeth McGee. Editor and producer is Joshua Braswell. Coming up next week on the show, some folks from Jim's will be here to discuss a recent grant they've received that will help them fight back against the opioid epidemic.